Good morning, everyone. This year, we are focusing a lot about bringing the gospel and hope to children. And so at the end of this month, we're going to be doing Compassion Sunday. We're going to bring the stories, the packets, the pictures of young children throughout the world that we're all going to just celebrate and sponsor and, and have a child. We will actually have one of the Compassion Children speaking on that Sunday and sharing the story and the impact that your contributions have made in their lives. So begin to think now, begin to have the conversation with your children about sponsoring a compassion child. And then we'll be leading right into our VBS, which will be taking place early in June. We need volunteers for that. We, have, we are preparing ourselves to have at least 250 children meeting here and experiencing the good news, the gospel, and the love of God. And we invite you to be a part of that. We invite you to um, step up for that week and say, I will be a part of what God's doing into helping these children discover more about God in their lives. So please sign up. You can sign up in the back. You can sign up through our app. But be a part of what we're doing in the lives of young children. So we've been talking about persons of interest, and we discovered that Jesus is the ultimate person of interest, that out of his life comes the ultimate interest of God for us. And it's because of him that we have interests, that we have meaning, that we have purpose. And so we went back and we discovered more about this Jesus on the cross, that he's not just a good teacher, he's not just somebody with nice ideas or a really calm temperament, but rather he was so much more, that he is our person of interest. And we learned straight out of scripture the stunning facts about who Jesus was, the, the image of the invisible God, the radiance of our heavenly Father's glory, the exact representation of God's nature, the firstborn of all creation, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, whether seen or unseen realms, all life and all creation, that he made peace with God for us through his cross. This is our Jesus. This is our person of interest. Not just a good person, not just a kind man, but rather God coming to earth and expressing his love and his interest in us. So out of the nature of who Jesus was and is, the quality of his nature and his interest in us is determined. And I've joked about it a couple times, but to have somebody interested in you doesn't mean necessarily it's going to have a positive effect on your life. But the quality of the person, their interest in you determines your potential. And so when we look at Jesus, the invisible God, the exact representation of our heavenly father, when we see that he's the creator of all things and that he's redeemed us through the blood of his cross, our potential incredibly soars. We become people of interest to God, not because of our good works, not because uh, we go to church on Sunday, but because of Jesus, we derive value. And so what we're learning about today is how God is offering, offering us a derived life in him. And you may not normally use that word derived when you think about your life, but we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more. But the story tells us that Moses was 
wandering through the wilderness. You might be a little bit familiar with the story. He had just killed a man in Egypt and had to flee out of Egypt and into the wilderness. And he becomes this herdsman is leading sheep around the desert. Life is harsh. Life is very matter of fact. He comes to a place called the backside of the desert. Now, being in the desert's one thing, and leading a bunch of sheep around the desert is another thing. But coming to a place that's called the backside of the desert is a brand new low. I mean, this is like Moses has gone from Egypt and now he's gone to this place that is best described as the backside of the desert. He's been stripped of a life that most men and women derive value from. Most of us derive it from power, from position, prestige, from wealth, from appearance. He went from being the prince of Egypt to herds, a herdsman of sheep. He went from the courts of Pharaoh, where he used to, as a young man, used to hang out in the courts of Pharaoh, and now the best way to describe where his life has ended up is the backside of the desert. You almost feel sorry for him. Almost. Because... I can only put it this way. The backside of the desert is a sucky place to be. To lose it all, your identity, your society, your future, and everything that you derive value from. Have you ever been on the backside of the desert before? You know, some of us have. The things that we derived our value from, the people that we we were married to or we um, thought our potential was in and um, our looks, our wealth, whatever it may be, our, our prestige even as a country. And then you find out that your life is on the backside of the de desert, that harsh, matter-of-fact place of life. But what we're going to see that he is going to soon discover that this backside of the desert it's a place where he was prepared for something new. So as the story goes, while he's herding the sheep, he sees a dry, arid bush that's burning. But the bush is not consumed. And that really just catches his eye. So he's out there with the sheep, he's on the backside of the desert, and he notices this, and, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting, when you're in the backside of the desert and everything's become matter of fact, you're kind of looking for something good to happen. Even a burning bush would get your interest. He was in a place that was like Vegas where everything was shiny and gold and beautiful and now he's in the backside of the desert. Everything of value, everything that he gets, he derives his self-worth from, has been stripped from him. And then he's on the backside of the desert, been doing this over and over again. And then he sees this bush and he sees that it's burning, but he sees that the bush itself is not consumed. So we pick up the story. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, 
why the bush is not burning up. And when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then God said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. God said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The conversation continues. God says to Moses, therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Then, God, then Moses said to God, behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. Now they will say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God tells Moses who he is. And he tells him that he is, I am that I am. I am who I am. This statement is powerful, and, I, and, and theologians have tried to unpack it because you're forced just from the language to, to infer from it that this is a statement of being. This is a statement of underived being, self-being. And God is making a statement to Moses that when he goes back and talks to the people of Israel, that the underived origin and value of life is speaking to you. The origin of meaning and purpose and life is speaking to you. The fountain and the source of life is speaking to you. You know, have you ever in your life tried to like, you, you need to get back to a good place? You know, you've had some moments in life and it's been some good moments and a bad moment. And you know, uh, where you, you try to want to get back to a, a good place or a good space in your, in your head space and your emotions, whatever it may be. You want to get back to where it all started. And maybe you're, you're thinking about where the good life started from. And so Moses is out there wandering in the desert. He's lost a sense of value, a sense of identity. Everything's been stripped from him. And then God communicates to him, you have returned to the origin and the source of life. This is where underived life is. And this is where you make your new start. This is where you derive life from. Moses approaches God and God says to Moses, you're going to have to take off your sandals. See, when we come into the presence of the underived life, God tells us how you define yourself and what you've used to define yourself and the footprints that you've made, they need to stay over there. You need to take them off. You're now in the presence of underived, the very source of life. How you define yourself, all of that 
He's like, I'm gonna need you to take those off because you're on holy ground. Gonna need you to throw them over there because something different is about to happen in Moses' life. Jesus said, this, said it this way, pick up your cross and follow me. That's not an invitation to you keep doing what you do. This is not an invitation to add God to your life as we talk about it in America. This is like, no, Moses, this is where you end. This is where it stops. Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. Meaning how you have derived value, how you have defined life and meaning. He says it starts right here and it starts with the cross and it starts with the death of you. Paul said it this way. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. Paul took his sandals off and he threw them aside And he's like, now, instead of the life that I have derived for myself, represented by the sandals, I'm now in the presence of underived, the very source of life. And God wants to do something new in Moses' life. This is the conversation that Jesus has with the woman at the well. She's out there, she's she's gone out to this well, she's all by, by herself, and she's looking for stagnant, murky water from a well of the past, from Jacob's well. So she's down there dropping her bucket into it and she's getting this murky water and it comes from from some sandal in the past, from Jacob, her father of faith. And Jesus shows up alongside of her and he says to her, would you like living water? Water not derived from the past, but from the very fountainhead of life. The very fountainhead of life. Is this the kind of water that you would like, as opposed to the water? And, and, and he has this odd conversation with her. In the middle of dropping her bucket into the well and, and having to draw it, he gets into a conversation with her about men. It's like, why is this coming into this conversation? It's because she's using men like a bucket. Or men are using her like a well. And we all do it. We are, we're always dropping our buckets in some new scheme, some new idea, some new gym, some new diet program, some new job, some new woman we met, some new guy that we met, some new idea, and, some, and we're dipping our bucket into murky water, hoping that when we crank it all up that we're going to have a different life. But it's just the same old solutions of the past. And Jesus says, listen, you know, um, you can have the past or you can have the fountainhead of life, streams of living water flowing out of your innermost being. So back to Moses. God says to Moses, you are to tell the people that I am has sent you. I am has sent you. Just look at that phrase, just for a second, just look at that phrase. Moses' life is now flowing from God. Flowing and sent are the same idea. And so God says, listen, take off your sandals, you former prince of Egypt, 
you former really good-looking guy, you former wealthy individual, you former very influential part of the gentry of Egypt, um, you, you former herdsmen, all of it, says take off the sandals, put it over the side, and he says, now you are the I am has sent you. And I just stared at that for a while when I was looking at that in the scripture. Because it's like, it's like this is like a name. Um, Moses' life is now flowing from an underived source of life. Not from Pharaoh, not from the herd, not from being a Jewish man. He's now an I am derived man, an I am derived man. Sure, he's going back to the same old people of Israel, the same old Egypt, the same old wife and the same old kids. I always get scared whenever I say same old wife. I just feel like I'm going to get shot or something. You know, I just like, it's like I'm not going to get lunch today or something. It's like whenever you say the same old wife, you can say same old man, but you know, we can't say same old wife, but I just went there. Um, so he's going back to the same old wife, the same old kids, but he's not going back the same, is he? Because now he's a derivative of God. He's a derivative of God. I mean, he, he's now um, deriving life from something different than everybody else around him. See, like Moses, we're all derivative from various sources. Uh, collectively, we're derivative from, some would say, from uh, lower life forms. If you, you roll in that direction, that we're just, you know, we're just kind of higher forms of mammals, and we've derived all of our life and purpose from them. Um, at best, we are derivative from Adam and Eve with the likeness of God. I go with that. Personally, we are derivative from our parents and our family structures, we are derivative from our social um, uh, environments that we've grew up. We are derivative of our experiences. We're all derivative from things. No matter, no matter what kind of snowflake you think you are and how unique you are from all the other snowflakes, we all have fallen from the same sky. You know, so, so it doesn't matter what your, you know, you can think your cloud was more special, but they're all, we're all, the snow's all falling from the same cloud. And so we're derivative from all these things. Internally, we're derivative. We're derivative, unfortunately, from our feelings because this can be catastrophic because sometimes I am what I think that I am. We, isn't that funny? We, we actually repeat what God is called. I am that I am. And I can be what I want to be and what I declare myself to be, I declare myself to be and I want you to declare I am that. Boy, have we really fallen that far? Yeah, we have. Um, we're derivative from the opinions of others, which can only lead to instability. Because otherwise you better make sure you're in a room where everybody's talking well about you because the moment you go someplace where we, somebody's not talking well about you, you will either have to tell everybody that can't use that language about you. Wait a minute, we're there too, aren't we? Wow. How many of us are deriving our sense of meaning and purpose from our feelings? 
Scripture uses words in theology to describe the ideas of what we derived from Adam. You've probably heard phrases like this, but not really fully understand them because maybe they're just not of interest to you. But you've heard phrases like original sin, the fall, the guilt of Adam. What, what are these lofty theological ideas? What do they mean? It means this, that we're derivative. We're all derivative. I mean, we can, we can pretend all day long that, that we're different than everybody else, but we're not, um, that we're special. And as long as I think I'm special, um, I'm special. It's like, no, Scripture's very clear. Um, we've all fallen. Whether Adam and Eve did it or whether we do it ourselves, we, we end up doing the same thing. I love it. The Bible is 6,000 years of, of uh, anthropological database about how humans behave, and humans are still behaving exactly today, the same they were when, uh, when, when Jacob and Abraham and Isaac were walking the earth. We're no different. Yeah, but we've got the iPhone. Well, what are we doing with the iPhone? It's exactly what Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Pharaoh and all the rest were doing with their iPhones. So we're all derivative. And these are the words that God uses, the scriptures uses. Uh, there's brokenness. There's sinfulness. There's injustice. There's unfulfillment in our life. There's death in our life. We're all derivative from that. And you're like, wow, dude, you need to chill. You need to take your meds. You know, I mean, you're really getting depressed. Not. In the words of the great prophet Ben Akri, stop me if I'm lying. I mean, tell me this. If, if you're having a different life experience, let me know. Yes, there is a plethora of wonderful human experiences, but they all seem to pull us back, to be pulled back to the earth by the gravity of broken humanity. I run into brilliant people, brilliant people, Doctors and lawyers and, and um, innovators. And, and I will have conversations with these men and women and, and uh, leaders and pilots of airplanes and leaders of nations. And I mean, just brilliant people. And you're just around them and you're astounded by their accomplishments. And it's like, come on, Paul. You know, come on. That, humanity's, humanity's better. And it's like, and then I'll meet these people and then I'll, I'll run into one of their children. And I'll find out, wow, gravity hit at home. Or I'll talk to their wives. Or I'll talk to their husbands. Or we'll look at their financial situation. Or, or maybe uh, someplace addiction has, has broken open and cracked open. But we need to realize that in all of this, we, we are all derivative. Uh, we're all affected by this fall for our brokenness. We're all walking around in front of God in our sandals. But are you willing, like Moses, willing to throw off your self-definition and let God redefine you? And, and, you know, and I'm taking this from the viewpoint of us who think too highly of ourselves. Okay, God, I tend to operate from that mode. Um, and, and God's, you know, we're the crowd that needs to be broken. 
But let's also apply this to the other crowd, to those of you who have already been broken. And you're living in the shadow of a father. You're living in the shadow of being a victim of somebody else's crime in your life. But I'm gonna tell you, those are sandals too. Um, those, those are, and God wants us to take those off as well. God doesn't want us walking around with victim sandals on either. He wants to redefine all of us. And we've got to be willing to take the sandals off, the self-definition, and allow God to redefine us. Are you willing to turn from the backside of, of life and turn to God? Are you willing to be derived from God? You say, well, how do you do this? I'm gonna use a word that you are so going to hate. But I, there is no other word. We have to repent. We have to admit we're broken. We've got to, we've got to realize, yeah, you're right. I am in a line of successive dysfunction. Oh yeah, I'm really good with cars and yeah, I'm really good with computers and, and yeah, I got really good hair. But let's just be honest. When you strip it all away, I'm just as mean as you are. I'm just as jealous as you are. I like to gossip like you do. Oh my goodness. Isn't gossip juicy? I mean, it's like a nice Oh, it's like a really well-cooked piece of steak. There's nothing more finer than devouring the reputation of another human being. And you say, well, where'd you get that from? Original sin. The fall of Adam, the fall of Paul. I don't have to go far back, but I gotta be willing to admit, I've gotta be willing to want something more than a American white male uh, uh, derivative life. I mean, I've, I've, God's saying, listen, I don't, care, I don't care if you're white, black, I don't care if you're rich or poor, I don't care if you're American or non-American, I'm asking you to take your sandals off. I'm asking you to no longer der derive value from your life experiences, from your position in society. I'm inviting you to new life. And the process of taking the sandals off is the theological word that we call repent. It's like, okay, all right, God, you want my failures? You want me to walk a different way, to leave a different kind of footprint? I give you my life. See, right now, you may only be the composition of 46 chromosomes. They we're all derived from chromosomes, 46 of them. And we're competing with all the other bags of 46 chromosomes to win every single day, to make more money, to succeed, to be prettier, to whatever it is. We're competing, and for a lot of us, that's all we are is we're, we're bags of water, mostly water, with 40, arranged by 46 chromosomes. Now, some of your 46 chromosomes are prettier than mine. They gave you beautiful blue eyes and your 
uh, Vitruvian features, as uh, I think it was Michelangelo, came up with the Vitruvian man, the man with the perfect chin, uh, uh, ratio of eyes to cheeks to, to shoulders to waist to all of that. that. You know that picture that you see uh, in, in art, that's like that, that's the Vitruvian man. It might not be Michelangelo, but the idea is this. It's, so what? Your chromosomes are arranged a little bit better than mine. Is that what you're deriving value from? Your car may be a little bit nicer than mine. But does it have the origin of I am? Does your life have the origin of I am? I was in a hospital room on Friday with a man who, is, who has cancer, who has it's metastasized throughout his whole body. He's younger than me. I walk into the room and I'm just like, I gotta fix this. I gotta fix this. And I can't, you know, I can't fix it. I'm like, God, I'm just gonna pray for healing that you heal him and, and, and all this. And so I walk into the room and I'm expecting him and his wife are going to be, you know, clamoring, nervous. Oh my God, Paul, how is, why is God allowing this to happen to us? And so I walked into the room and it's kind of like totally intimidated by this moment, but I have to do it because I am sent like Moses. And I walk into the room and they're laughing. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. And so I, I started talking to them and I'm just like, hey, just want to just, you know, just bring hope and and all of a sudden the wife is like, he was like, yeah, yesterday I, I wanted to just go be with the Lord. I'm like, what? He goes, oh yeah, Pastor Paul, I'm not afraid of dying. He's like, uh, I wanna go be with Jesus. This world's screwed up, I wanna go. And, and I'm like, well, yeah, but your wife over here. And she, she says something that just blows me away. We've had 30 great years together. Another 10 years isn't gonna make it greater. And, and I am just like, Oh my God, and I, I don't use that in a blasphemous way. I mean, oh my God, what is going on here? How are these people not afraid? It's because their life is more than 40, the arrangement of 46 chromosomes functioning properly within themselves. They derive their life from the I am. And I was just blown away by this. Do you have the origin of I am in you? You've got Adam in you. You've got your mom and your pop in you. You've got America in you. You've got society and culture in you. You've got your feelings in you. But let me ask you this. Do you have I am that I am? Are you, is your life just a bucket pulling murky, muddy water out of a past? Or is it a stream of living water flowing from the fountainhead of of God himself. Jesus talked to Nicodemus and said this. Truly, truly, and now when Jesus says truly, truly, that's equivalent to this. Like, hey, hey, you're paying attention. Let's, let's talk. I mean, you say one fact, but when you say truly, truly, that means this is like, you bet, uh, th this is true. It's like, no, 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 you understand you need to listen to this. This is really, really true. 
This is, this is paramount. So Jesus kind of like, hey, Nicodemus, I say to you, unless one is born of water, derivative of amniotic fluid, the womb, see, because we're all derivative of woman. Um, we all come from the womb. And, he, and Jesus recognizes this, but he says, unless one is derivative of water and the spirit of God, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Nothing here about good works. Nothing here about going to promise to go to church every week. But unless you are born of water and derivative of God himself, the spirit of I am, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. That which is derivative or born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is derivative or born of the spirit is spirit. And Jesus says to him, do not be amazed that I say to you, you must be born again. So if you saw shade in here today, I don't even know what that, I think it's the right word, but if you just kind of came in here and you're just like, listen, I'm just gonna add Jesus to my life. I'm going to invite Jesus into my heart. Those are all kind of true. But I'm thinking if we kind of like really get down to it. Jesus says, unless you're born again of the spirit of God, you're willing to take your sandals, throw them to the side to repent and, and invite Christ into your life, declare him as Lord of your life. Unless you're born of the spirit, you will never see the kingdom of heaven. It's like, wow. I thought all I had to do was give up smoking weed. You know, uh, it's like, no, you need the spirit of God in you. You need to be born derivative of God. Jesus is offering you what God offered Moses, new life. That is, un, that is he's underived life from an eternal source. I am, I am. You know why I believe this to be true? I cannot prove it, but it's what I believe. When I became born again, the reason why I feel special isn't because I am now made special. No, I believe that when I was born again and I received the spirit of God, the I am special of God emanates in my soul. Is that that sense of, I feel unique. I feel different. What you're feeling, I believe, is the uniqueness and the differentness of the I am that I am, the spirit of the living God in you, being born of the spirit. Jesus is offering you what God offered Moses. Jesus said, in the same terminology as, as he spoke from the burning bush, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true divine, uh, the true vine. I am underived. I am the source, and I am the beginning. Is that the Jesus that you've asked into your heart? Jesus says, I am, and everything goes through him. God is offering you an opportunity to be derived from him, but you're going to have to 
lose your sandals. Jesus put it this way. Oh, again, it's another truly, truly. I didn't notice that. So I got to do this. Hey. I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. It's like, well, Pastor Paul, you really sounded an old school here. Um, I am sounding derivative from God. And the fact that it sounds old school is only because the underived life is the ancient of days. It is eternal, it is ancient, it is now, it is the future, and ever will be. But it requires that you lose your life. That you decide at some point, okay God, I'm not, I'm not, it's not just me anymore. I'm not just born of the womb, I'm not just of water, but I wanna be of the spirit. And when we repent and turn our lives over to him, we are given a new kingdom and a new designation. We are from that point referred to as in him. In him. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born, not born of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, all these other derived sources of life, but born of God. Paul, what do you, so what do you think you are? You think you're better than me? No, I'm in him. Paul, you think you're like a new kind of human? No, I'm in him. I am in the I am. I am sent. I am derivative of God. I am a person who has decided that dipping my bucket in murky water is not getting it done. But I need living water. I don't care how many people you're sleeping with. It's not going to get it done. I mean, it gets it done for about like half an hour. You're like, you're in bliss. And if you derive your life from bliss, that's all it is. And it fades. But God is offering you so much more. To not only be born of flesh, but to be born of the Spirit of God. So for some of you, it's time to take off your sandals. Stop living in the shadow of your parents if they weren't that hot, okay? I mean, it, some of you, I have conversations with you and you're always telling me about your mom. It's like, okay, cool, I get it. I had one too. But is that, your whole story is derived from that. Or, or I'll talk to you and you'll tell me about your job. That's cool, we all have jobs too. But is that all you're derived from? 
you may be telling me, well, and then I'm just going to go into it. It's like, I hate white people for what they did for us in the past. Yes, it was evil. It was wrong. But is that where you're going? You're going to derive your energy from the, the evil of the past. You're going to derive your energy from being a feminist or a misogynist pig, you know, or a chauvinist. You know, how long are we going to dip our bucket in murky water? God says, I'm telling you, unless you are born of the, of the womb and of the Spirit of God, you will not experience the kingdom. So as we're receiving communion right now, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to accept Jesus into your life. I want to invite you to, re- to repent. You say, well, that's offensive. It's meant to be. You're in the presence of I am, that I am. If you want to live on holy ground, if you want God's best, if you want God's kingdom, you've got to have the I am in you. You've got to be born of the I am, of the Spirit of God. So we have pastors that are in the back. They stand in the back corner. And why? is Because if you decide today that, wow, I had just added Jesus to my portfolio. You know, it's just kind of like, I just added him to help me have the best version of myself uh, or to live my own truth. And you just found out, wow, that is not what's going on in Jesus Christ. I am so happy for you. And we want to offer you an opportunity to take your sandal off and to pray with one of our pastors. And, and, you, can, and you can go to them and, and say, listen, I don't understand everything that went on today, but it, it makes a lot of sense. And it's definitely out of the scriptures. I want new life. I want to be, I want to be able to face death and hardship and the past and my own dysfunctions with courage with blessed assurance that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete that work how do you get that how do you get that you must be born again so we invite you to do that we also invite you to come to the table of Christ where we offer you the bread and the cup and to welcome Christ into your life to return to the bread of life, the I am, the life, the truth, the hope that is in Jesus. And if you're here today, you're probably like me and you're kind of like, yeah, you're right. I've gotten off track, man. I, I got all caught up in my head. I got all caught up in society. I got all caught up in my Republican or Democrat agenda or my white or black agenda or my got all caught up in my kids or my sucky job God wants to offer you an opportunity to drink from living water the fountainhead of life Father we thank you because you have offered us yourself you've offered us underived life Lord God, that 
My life doesn't have to be a copy of 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 a copy. But I am in the hands of the original. I am in the arms and the heart of the original. I am the apple of your eye. I am in him. The I am. So Father God, today, I make a decision to return to God. To turn from my life and to turn to you. Here's my sandals. They stink, they're sweaty, and they're wore out. Take my life. I want yours.